You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Hey, before we get started, I need to address the elephant in the room. Uh, a lot is changing in our world right now. There's a lot of hardship coming down. And a lot of folks are uh, a little nervous about their finances. If I can help at all, I would love to send me an email, Conrad at savewithconrad.com or get yourself a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com. Uh, we have a live chat option where you can even talk to a live person or just get yourself a quick quote for free. And I hate to be so blunt, but I do just need to put it plainly to you. If you're concerned that your financial future is maybe in jeopardy, you're not sure what your long-term employment options look like with this extended quarantine, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to borrow money once you've lost your job. You know, one of the things that every banker is going to look at is your ability to repay and with no income coming in. What does that look like? You can head this off at the past though, with some proper planning. Let's go ahead and get you refinanced into a lower monthly payment. It's going to let you skip your next two months house payment. So maybe we'll be out of quarantine before you have to make another payment. But at the same time, if I can help you pay off some of your credit card debt, don't close those accounts. When we pay them off now, you never know when you might need access to that cash. Of course, you're only paying interest on it once you have to use it. But the bad news is if you get yourself maxed out and you've lost your job, it's unlikely that the credit card company is going to up your limit. Let's get in front of this right now while we still can. And all of a sudden, interest rates are about as good as they've been in a long, long time on your mortgage. So there's never been a better time to get a lower monthly payment to reduce your overall debt load. And it might not be a bad idea to pull out three to six months worth of your monthly bills and just keep that in cash on hand at all times. I do think that everybody should have whatever your monthly bills are. Let's stick six months of that in an account somewhere just in case something crazy happens. And who could have ever predicted this? But because this is an unpredictable time, I want to remind you we're offering a seven year guarantee where it gives you the peace of mind of knowing you're saving the most money possible right now, but you wouldn't have to pay a whole nother set of closing costs in the future for seven years. What we'll do is we'll guarantee to you in writing that if your needs change for whatever reason in the next seven years, we'll refinance you without charging a new set of lender fees. That's our seven year guarantee. And listen, if I can help right now, I really want to. We're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit to do this. You don't need money out of your pocket to do this. But if you're thinking you might need to lower your monthly payments, if you're thinking it might be cool to skip a couple of house payments, knock out some credit card debt, pull some cash out. If that's going to give you some peace of mind, let's get through it together. Let me help. Let me run the numbers. It's no cost, no obligation. And if I can't save you money, I won't waste your time. Send me an email, conrad at savewithconrad.com. Get a quick quote at savewithconrad.com. Even talk to a live person. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender at savewithconrad.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn right here on Westwood One. And of course, the man of the hour, our host, is the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? I'm fantastic. I feel very fortunate. Uh, we're in the middle of this ongoing crisis worldwide, and uh, just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in every week and. Uh, if there's anything that we can do from our end to make your life a little better, that's that's what we're here for. And uh, we're just wanting everybody to pull together and get through this crisis and uh, get back to normal. Yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in with us. We should mention we're going to try to keep doing these shows every single week without any interruption. Arn is recording from the comfort of his home. I'm doing it from the comfort of my home. So even as everyone's state goes into lockdown, we're still here ready to hook you up and 
try to keep you entertained and we got our work cut out for us this week, man, because it's hashtag ask Aaron anything. Uh, and we have got hundreds and hundreds of questions to dig through, but before we get into it, I feel like we should mention that, uh, our man, Ryan has been cr- pretty creative lately over at orangeshirts.com. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, a couple of weeks ago when Chris Jericho referred to your, uh, sort of cheat sheet on dynamite as a waffle house menu, because it's laminated, we went. We went to work and we created a Waffle House inspired shirt. We've also got a Rat Patrol shirt, which is probably going to be the most popular shirt in the business. All of these are available now at orangeshirts.com. Rat Patrol on a t shirt. You ever think you'd see that happen? Well, yeah, I'm sure of it. I'm sure Scott Armstrong, Johnny Rich, and the Tonga Kid are all pissed right now. <laughs> well, we've got other funny shirts they won't hate. Like, I worked hard for this body, uh, fat looks better tan. And uh, a Led Zeppelin-inspired Arn Anderson shirt, Spinebuster of the Gods. Go check them out right now, orangeshirts.com. Uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, we got a great question here from Eric Brennan. He writes, in 2011, when CM Punk got white hot, were you involved in the production of his story with John Cena? And uh, if so, did you know if Punk resigned with WWE, or did you find out like everyone else when he walked out? on raw a few weeks later. So this is not when he actually leaves in 2014, but it is when he knew he wasn't going to resign and he was leaving and he cut that infamous pipe bomb promo from Las Vegas on June 27th of 2011. And man, he was just on fire after that. How involved were you with that process? Since you were John's guy, I imagine you were right in the middle of things, putting together what most people consider the best money in the bank pay-per-view match ever him and John Cena on top. And, uh, punk won the belt, kissed Vince goodbye and left through the crowd and then took a picture of the uh, belt in his refrigerator just a few minutes later. Well, most of the final decision stuff then and now comes from the boss and the big chair. Uh, I was probably there for a lot of the discussions as far as just the breakdown of the match, not all, but some. And had a little input on that. But mostly those guys, you know, Punk knew what he wanted to do. He knew where he was heading. Cena knew what he wanted to do. He knew where he was heading and where he was positioned. And most of that stuff was over my head as far as final decisions go. Um, The pipe bomb promos just simply came from a guy being given free reign to be himself, which is the way it should always be. the inability to allow a talent to do what he feels is going to inhibit his production always. And, uh, you know, punk is a prime example of when you turn a guy loose and let him say what he feels and within parameters, you've got to have parameters. This is PG product and live television. And, uh, man, it just got over big time. And, uh, you saw the results. Yes, you did. It was white hot, man. We got this question a lot over the last few episodes that we've done like this. And I think they all come from mayhem. I'm going to ask it now, but I have to admit, I don't remember this at all. Maybe you do. He says, can you comment on when John Tenta was supposed to work an angle with the horseman and then plans changed? Apparently Arn cut a promo that killed the angle. And the rumor was Tenta was furious backstage. I believe this was a Florida taping that doesn't ring a bell to me. Do you remember this? Well, you know, it's funny for something that was so heated, I never heard about it. And and one thing I need to make clear, even though I was never told what to say verbatim on promos, I was at least given bullet points of where the angle was going to go Sure. So, so that I knew what I was talking about. And I certainly would not have changed direction of that promo and i went back and looked at it because it's been you know popped up so many times you know this subject matter and i didn't remember it being anything heated because there was never a confrontation but anyway um you know those guys i barely remember how long they were with piper it couldn't have been for just a minute and the content of that promo would have had to have came you know, from Eric, he would have had to give me some ground rules that we were changing angles and all that stuff. I just wouldn't have went off on a talent on a tangent and said, Piper, you need to come with us. Those guys aren't experienced enough to, to pull this off. 
that's not something that I would have just changed directions on without having some direction. And I'm not pointing a finger or passing anything. I mean, the angle changed. So, so, you know, it's, it's not my fault. The angle changed. I didn't know that I was being disrespectful to anybody. I was just saying what was given me and put in my words, um, not passing the buck. I don't even remember that I would have thought if that's something that would have stood out and I would have went, boy, that's really dumping on those guys. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a fan of dumping on other talent. You build other talent up so that when you go to war with them, you've got a war with somebody good. And if they beat you, somebody good beat you. You don't just tear a talent down and, and make them look bad because if they turn around and beat you, then somebody lousy beat you. Right. That was a, that was just the way I conduct business. So I don't remember having a conversation, but I'm sure I got some bullet points. And if John felt slighted, I, I feel bad about that. He was always a gentleman, always nice to me. I was always nice to him. Just one of those things, I guess. I'm glad I wasn't in that trailer when he came in there, if that was really the case. And I'm sure Stevie Ray and Booker wouldn't say something wasn't so. Uh, Ricky Morton's mullet wants to know, how did you go about getting your boots and trunks? I think back in the day, most of the guys got it from a company called K and H. Is that right? Yep. And so did I. Bill Ash was my first boot maker. Uh, he made boots for a lot of the guys. Um, he was out in Arkansas where his company was, but the tights were from K and H and I just had, I mean, from day one till my final day going to the ring, I had standard K and A. K and H tights. Talk to me about boots. We've heard Rick over the years, uh, praise Clifford Macias. Uh, how did you get hooked up with the guy in Arkansas and, and why did you favor one boot maker over another? Well, back in the day, you just kind of fell in line. There weren't that many boot makers. There weren't that many people making tights. You know, some people that made more money had private seamstresses, but it was, you know, to make stuff that was different, long tights, you know, once they started to go a little bit, you know, upgraded, more flashy, um, whatever you want to call it, upgraded, you know, trunks, long tights, whatever it may be. It branched out to more people uh, that were doing that. But when I first started, it was just K&H, and it's just what you did. You ordered your tights from there, and uh, – Gave them the specs, and, and that was it. And there was a couple of boot makers. The one that Rick used was much more expensive than I was willing to pay. Ash was much more reasonable, and that's who I went with. Well, nothing wrong with that. Uh, another great question here from Ricky Morton's mullet. He says, did you prefer the ropes in the WWF or the cables in WCW? Uh, it's worth mentioning, I guess. The ring ropes in the WWF are actual ropes. Whereas in, in WCW, it was more of a cable with uh, a covering on it. Talk to us about the differences and what you preferred one way or another. Well, you know, when you first start, they're both rough on your back because your back's not used to running full speed and, and having a cable dig into your back or having a rope dig into your back, for that matter. Um, I preferred the WCW rings just because they were a little smaller. Uh, the cables would kick you off a lot quicker. So it made the spots and the action a lot quicker and the ring being smaller meant you weren't having to wait or what you felt like you were waiting forever for a guy to come off the ropes and have your contact, whatever that was. It felt going from a smaller ring to a bigger ring. It took a, a little while to get used to that downtime, even though it was a second or two, it felt like an eternity to you or to me anyway, and uh, I just preferred the smaller ring with the with the cables. Uh, another interesting mm. question here that uh, has been discussed a lot on Bruce's show, Bad Money Slim brings us, can you give us one smelly wrestler and a quick story about them and about every other response to that tweet is, and why is it Vader? Uh, for whatever <laughs> reason... Uh, Bruce has given uh, Vader a reputation for not being the most hygienic. Is there another name, or was Vader where you were going as well? Well, he kind of stands out a little bit. Leon was a big man, you know. Um, he sweat a lot, and I'm, that's coming from me, who's the consummate sweater. I was a huge, 
huge sweater back in the day. Um, that was a, both a blessing because it made you feel good to get that deep sweat. But it was, if you didn't take care of it and not subject other people to it, it was a magic could put some heat on you. Leon's more so than Leon stinking. I think his gear was what stunk. Right. Um, and uh, it would get to the point of because you know in those days you either had to have a bunch of uh, trunks if you're going to go out on a 10-day run or you had to wash them out in the sink when you got back which is what 99 percent of the guys did they would get back to their hotel unpack their bag uh wash out their you know their trunks in the sink hang them up let them dry overnight that way you could you know keep them clean from day to day but it took a little doing leon was probably the top i could see him coming in the room slinging his bag over in the corner having a couple beverages something to eat going to sleep waking up the next day when it was probably time to go to work and maybe putting a fresh towel in there and the gear had not budged overnight and that didn't take long to compound. Just guessing. I don't think a lot of guys really think about how challenging it is to keep your gear clean like that, because I don't, I mean, let's run through the, just the timeline. You finish your, your match at the building, say, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you try to take a shower, throw on some new clothes, throw all your gear in a bag, start driving. You go 300 miles, check in the hotel in the middle of the night, probably 3 AM or something silly like that. Uh, and then at that point you're supposed to wash your gear. It's not like there's a laundry service available because you got to be at the building the next day at one o'clock. So you've got like 10 hours to get some sleep, get something to eat, hopefully get to the gym. And somewhere in there, you've got to have clean gear by the next day. So the idea is when you get to the hotel, you just rinse your gear out in the sink and then hang it over the shower. And that's all we got until we get home. Right. Pretty much. And you just have to be thorough with it. I mean, it, it absolutely works. There were, you know, in the business that has passed business of 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, there were just certain things, you know, that were locker room etiquette. You know, you didn't have smelly gear. <clears throat> you didn't have a smelly body. You brushed your teeth before a match and pretty close to match time, or at least before you started warming up for your match. That was just a, uh, you know, for guys that like to eat onions and garlic, and I was one of those guys, you know, it, I would imagine that would be a little bit testy on your opponent. And uh, that's the wrong kind of heat, obviously. <laughs> You know, we all aspire to get heat in a match. That's the basics of what we do. You get mad at the bad guy so that the good guy can win and you feel good about it. Or vice versa, if you're a fan of the bad guys. But your opponent having just reeking breath is probably not the kind of heat you're looking for. Uh, but yes, that was exactly it. You come back, no matter what time you got in, you unpacked your bag because going back to being sweaters you know if you're a sweater your tights would be absolutely soaked after a 20 30 minute match and uh you know i would always just wrap it up in the towel after i got done showering wrap your stuff up in the damp towel throw it in your bag so at least it didn't bleed into your bag itself it, it bled into the towel and you would get back to the room and first thing you would do no matter what time was wash your gear out and hang it up and uh, hopefully by the time you woke up in four, five, six hours from then, you would, you know, it would be hanging there and, and partially dry, hopefully mostly dry. And then uh, that was just a day-to-day -day occurrence. It was just being respectful of your opponent, being respectful of your work area and yourself. Let's, um, let's keep it moving here. Got a great question from... Uh... Reluctant millennial. It says, hypothetically, what kind of match would Arn have had with Orange Cassidy if you were in your ring prime today? Oh gosh, I would have, I would have figured out pretty quick that this, you know, first time I saw this guy work a few times, I didn't get it. It was so far fetched from anything I'd ever seen, which is, you know, a compliment to the guy's credibility. Now, you know, the old school in me would have looked at that 
initially and went, well, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. The guy walks up to me disrespectfully with his hands in his pockets. I'm going to knock his teeth out. Ain't like he could do nothing about it. But you have to evolve in this business, and you have to know what's entertainment. And most importantly, you have to look at performers and see the reaction of the fans because things are changing, folks. And stuff that, that made sense 25 years ago, you can probably let your foot off the throttle a little bit these days. Now, I'm always going to say and believe, you know, you want to go out and make everything you do make sense and be credible and non-see-through. That's your goal. It's like the difference in good acting or bad acting in a movie, you know. You can try to group good acting and bad acting all under one category, but if you see a movie where the, the acting is just rotten and it doesn't pull you in, it doesn't make you believe they believe what they're saying, it makes for a rotten movie. And then you have those world-class performances where the whoever the lady or the man, whoever it is, they honestly make you believe and lose the fact that I'm watching a movie now, and all of a sudden you're pulled in, and this is real, and this is real emotion. You know, and that's what a guy like Orange Cassidy, he's actually a very talented performer. Um, he had a match with Pac here uh, a while back that was very good, and Pac is very good, and he catered to Orange Cassidy's gimmick. And that's what you have to do these days is just, and I would believe that, if I was able to perform today and I was 25, 30 years old, I would do the right thing for the match and cater to that gimmick. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right, Aaron, let's run a quick timeout right now and talk about something. Well, everyone in America is talking about right now, food, the grocery stores are overrun. It's so much easier to get food delivered, but what about the best meat in America? Of course, we're talking about that famous fairway meat market. Go see it for yourself. Fairwaymeatmarket.com. I got to tell you though, it's not just a .com. Uh, fairway is a family owned grocery store chain. They're a top 10 employer in Iowa. They've been around since 1938. They've got more than 11,000 employees, but man, they've been holding out on us. You know, I'd always heard that the best meat in America came from the heartland. But hell, I didn't know what that meant. Well, how about this? We're talking about corn country, baby family farmers. That's where fairway gets all their premium beef and their all natural pork. And it gives us access to the highest quality meat in America. Their certified Duroc heritage pork is crafted in small batches by Midwest family farms, making it some of the most succulent pork you've ever tasted. Don't take my word for it. You've got to try it. I heard about Duroc before I actually had it game changer, my friend. Fairway Meat Market, though, has every cut you could ever need. They've still got their great staff of butchers that you would get in the grocery store if you've ever been through Iowa or one of the surrounding states. But now it gets shipped directly to you. And you're going to love all the selection of cuts over at fairwaymeatmarket.com. They've got everything from ribs to ribeyes, pork chops, beef tenderloin, whatever you're looking for. Visit fairwaymeatmarket.com, select your favorite meat products, and then just post up by the grill waiting patiently. You might even want to check out some grilling tips on there, but fairway meat market, I should spell that for you. It's F A R E W A Y meatmarket.com. But right now you can get the heartland package and check this out. We're talking $230 worth of the best meat you ever put in your mouth for just 99 bucks plus free shipping. Let me tell you shipping meat across the country. That can't be cheap, but you can get it on the low, low $230 value only $99. It includes the free shipping. Just use our promo code ARN at checkout. That's A-R-N. Now, what comes in this Heartland package, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. How about eight, eight ounce, all natural Duroc boneless pork chops? You get to try them for yourself. The best pork you ever had. You also get six, eight ounce USDA choice ribeyes. That's Arn's favorite. And of course, one awesome side dish. You can get a loaded potato bake, some gourmet cheesy corn, the brisket baked beans, my family loves the potato bake. I know Casio does too. Uh, my mom is all about the baked beans though. No matter what you like, you get your choice here in the Heartland package. It's a $230 value for just 99 bucks with free shipping. That's more than 50% off the best meat in America with free shipping. It's all happening at fairwaymeatmarket.com. Look for the Heartland package and be sure to use our promo code ARN. 
Talk to me a little bit about, uh, Hulk Hogan turning heel. Josh Kuhn wants to know what were your feelings when you heard about Hulk Hogan officially turning heel at bash of the beach 96. Well, it was, it was one of those things that you went, well, God almighty, I never thought I'd see that. And that alone is the selling point. Um, you know, and then you start thinking, well, but God, he's got all these fans and there's been so many years, you know, that he has put into that character. I mean, it's not really broke. Why would you try to fix it? You know, and it just, I think everybody that knew the business at the current time would, were looking at it as, well, God, I, I kind of want to see how it's going to be you know, dealt with in the fans and how they're going to receive it and how the boys are going to receive it and how Hulk is going to be able to pull this off. And, you know, there was a lot of questions and inquiries and, and, uh, but then you, you know, there's that part of you that went, like, God, this thing has been 20, 25 years in the making. It's or however long Hulk has been in the business at that time. And you will go, I don't know. So, I was sitting there like everybody else, and it turned out to be a really near riot. So other than just get disappointed, they got pissed. And when they get pissed, now you're talking about full arenas. And uh, I was glad to see that it worked, and it did. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving and talk about Tito Santana. We got a question from Josh Kuhn about that. He's a guy who doesn't get talked about enough. Any good memories of working with Tito? Yeah, Josh. I mean, you know, Tito Santana is one of those guys that was so good and, and, you know, such a good employee and never any issues. You know, he was invisible and he was the guy that you could, you knew if you just said, Tito, I need 15 minutes with wrestler X, Y, Z, didn't matter or I need three minutes. He was going to give you what you needed and the proper story. Just a really talented performer that was always so good that you, he almost was never in the news because he was always so consistent. And uh, he was excellent every time I was in the ring with him. And every time I saw him work, he was just great baby face. One of the all-time greats, and uh, I agree, he doesn't get enough love. Probably doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, we've we've got a story uh, that sort of grew a life of its long of its own on Tony Schiavone's podcast about Tommy Young and the Barbarian. Did you ever hear about how uh, they wound up having to share a room, and maybe Tommy Young accidentally shooed a lady friend away while Barbarian was taking a slam, and then Barbarian said, "Well, it's only me and you here." Do not know that story. That would be a Tommy Young exclusive. <laughs> yeah, they both told the story. You know, David Flair told me the story, and I thought it was just funny. Ha ha. And then when we uh, brought it up to Barbarian, he told us the real story that apparently he had a lady who was going to come visit with him and spend some time with him after the matches. And for whatever reason, Tommy didn't have a uh, <laughs> Tommy didn't have a, a room that day, so he wound up bonking up with Barbarian and. While Barbarian was uh, doing a number two, there's a knock at the door, and Tommy answers, sees that it's a young lady, and says, oh, he doesn't want to see you. Get out of here. And then Barbarian is very upset with Tommy Young for shooing away the evening's entertainment, and a conversation was had, and we created a uh, a famous Tommy Young t-shirt as a result. So uh, Barbarian says, no, that story is 100% on the nose, so... If you have a chance, go out of your way to listen to it in the archives on what happened when. I'm pretty sure I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> David, but thanks anyway. Sure. Uh, Tom wants to know, is there anyone that could have taken on Ming in a bar fight in his prime? Ken Shamrock, Ron Simmons, anybody at all? Well, you never discount a guy like Ken Shamrock or Ron Simmons. I mean, Steve Williams. I mean, any of those you know, the badasses. Uh, but I've always contended, and until something proves me wrong, Haku was in his own class. There was Haku, Division One, and then you go down a little bit, and you got Division Two. you know, and the Lesners and those guys all fit in in that 
you know, Division Two. I just, not to be disrespectful to any of them, I just think Haiku was a very special deal. You know, my nickname for him was the Human Vegematic, and I wasn't far off. Um, PJ Smith wants to know when did Arn first realize John Cena would become the guy? Well, there was a meeting Vince had, and you know. I don't remember what year it was, but it was time to make some changes. We were coming out of the Austin rock era and, and those guys were going to be moving on, doing their own thing. And you had to recreate a, a huge gaping hole as far as personalities and, and talents that were, were not only bigger than life, they were bigger than the business at the time. They had exceeded everything that had ever been done before it. You know, Rock and Austin, when they were at their peak, were, my God. You know, you can say Hogan put put them in that same deal, but the, these guys were just different because they were, you know, 20, 30-minute performers. You know, Hulk had his deal, and he had his fans, and there was Hulk Hogan faces on everything. But Austin and Rock, I mean, that was, a, that was something special. And... Uh, that we had a meeting, production meeting, and, you know, Vince said, guys, we're going to move on. Here are the four guys that, you know, I want you to look at them. You know, it was Batista and Cena, Randy Orton. Maybe it was just three guys. Um, and it needs to be one of these guys or all of these guys, but these are the guys we're going to go with. And um, I thought they were pretty good choices. Um, they were very, very green. Randy was a natural, so he was going to come along a lot quicker as far as work rate than Dave or, or Cena. But but Dave on SmackDown, when he was the the face of SmackDown, and you remember that, Conrad, when Dave was the man, he was yeah. red, red hot, as hot as anybody. And Cena, you know, when well, they finally decided he was going to be the guy because he wasn't going anywhere, he wasn't. You know, there was no negotiation, negotiation, excuse me, issues with him. He was going to be there as long as they wanted him to be there. And he ended up being the face of the company, being a baby face and, and staying a baby face. Randy's character took some trips back and forth. Um, and Dave, you know, was to go on and, and do some other things. So. You know, they decided on him. We went with him, and every week it was, you know, a conscious decision on what was done on all of Cena's comment or all, all of his content, whatever he was doing on the show or backstage or whatever. There was a lot of thought given to that. Let's talk about real names. Uh, Protege wants to know when you're on the road, the, did the quote unquote boys call you Marty or Arn? Was it ever hard to try to keep up with which name you should use? Even to this day, everybody calls me Arn. That's just the face that goes with, you know, the name that goes with the face. You know, in this business, uh, you never used first names. Uh, you just didn't. I mean, because it was just too confusing. And <clears throat> Sting standing in the ring, painted up with one of those beautiful outfits he had, all tanned and jacked. Somehow, if you would have flashed Steve Borden underneath that, it wasn't the same effect as Sting. <laughs> no kidding. And you just didn't use first names or real names or anything back then. It was, you know, we're building characters. And why confuse the fans? You know, this is Sting. This is so-and-so. This is Hulk Hogan. It's not Terry Belay, you know. Somehow you lose a little luster there. No disrespect to anybody's legal name. It just wasn't the thing. That's the reason you changed it. You wanted something catchy, more marketable, something the fans, you were a superhero. You wanted them to look at you and and view you as a superhero. So that's the way it was. No one ever called me Marty or Martin. And, you know, even today, you know, walking around the locker room, unless it's an office person, who most of them have, you know, like with AEW now, they come up and which would you refer to be, you know, called Martin or, or Arn? I said, well, which would you prefer? And they said, I just feel more comfortable with Arn. I said, well, good. That, that's who I am. Yeah, it's weird because one of the uh, first times I had a 
I met your wife and we were having a conversation, uh, because we knew of each other, but hadn't ever actually met. She was just casually in conversation. Keep talking about Marty. And I'm thinking, how does she know Janetti? This is weird. I didn't know they were friends. And of course <laughs> I'd only ever heard you referred to as horn. And so even when Tony Schiavone first broke out Marty on me, I'm like, who the fuck do you keep talking about Marty? And, and either way now, uh, you're programmed in my phone under your real name. Uh, just in case, but it, it, for years and years and years, all I ever knew you as was Arn, and I think uh, everyone listening to this uh, is probably more comfortable calling you that too. Yep, and Aaron has never called me Arn. <laughs> of ever. course not. No. <laughs> so she would look at you like you had two heads if you said that to her. Well, well do you call him Arn? <laughs> no, well, and not- I won't be calling him Arn. Thank you. It's, it becomes weird for me because I refer to you as Arn in my conversation with everyone else. But when I speak to her, I do feel like I have to think about it. Don't say Arn, say Mark. Cause again, it probably doesn't matter. Everybody knows that that's your, your gimmick name. Most of all her, but you just feel like, well, she's calling him that I probably should too. I don't want to, you know, you're a real guy too. You're not just the wrestling persona. So it is a fascinating thing that doesn't exist anywhere else. Nobody has to wonder, do I refer to him as Mr. Keaton or Batman? Like everybody knows it's Mr. Keaton, but for some reason in wrestling, that's a little different. It is the nature of our beast. Adam B writes in best fried chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A Popeye's Wendy's or other. Well, I like Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Yep. Very good. I have, believe it or not, I haven't had the Popeye's one yet. That's good. You got to get the spicy one though. They make a regular and a spicy. The only difference is they put some sort of spicy sauce on the bun, but the spicy sauce is chef's kiss. So I can't, I can't comment on that. What was the other Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A is awesome. We have one right over by our house where you live for a minute and I don't know why, but that one of the Chick-fil-A's, which I like all of them, uh, that one is the best. It just It's always piping hot. It's The bread is always fresh. It's awesome. Uh, so there's no losers, I don't think, in that group. Okay, I'll give you a pass on this one. All right, Jay Stubal wants to know, can Arn give rapid-fire thoughts on the current class of the Hall of Fame? So we'll try to keep it to a sentence or two. The NWO. They were special. You know, if they want to honor those guys for being for their uh, contributions to the business, I'm all for it because they definitely were on fire. Uh, Batista. Love Dave Batista as a human being and a talent that I got to work with quite a bit. Uh, so happy for Dave going in. Bella Twins. Bella Twins were a very good team before their time. I don't think their work rate was appreciated um, fully because, you know, they were the, you know, just being twins was cool too, watching them out there. But I thought their work rate was solid and, uh, you know, they were a good team. So, you know, if, if we want to honor them with being in the Hall of Fame, I'm, I'm cool with that too. But there's going to be naysayers that are always going to, you know, say, well, they haven't been in the business that long. They haven't, you know, been out of the business that long. There's not a 15-year body of work. Well, you know, if you look at the Hall of Fame, you know, the parameters have been loosened as far as how long you've been out and all those criteria that they use in other sports. That hasn't been the case in a long time. So, you know, there's always going to be thumbs up and thumbs down. Everyone's going to have an opinion on who should be in the Hall of Fame, you know, or who shouldn't and what those reasons are. I think the Hall of Fame is, is an honor to that individual and to what degree we only know. They know what it means to them, and I know what it meant to me, and I've explained it several times, and it has a different meaning for everyone. Um the fact that the Bella twins are being put in, I have certainly have no problem with JBL. Yep. JBL is a guy that really worked hard he, and he changed characters in midstream. I love the APA. You know, I had a APA t-shirt, which they gave me, which I was very proud of. Love Ron Simmons. You know, those guys were fun to be around. They were great for the locker room and, you know, they were always ragging. Well, not Ron, but, 
JBL was always ragging on everybody and, you know, and a lot of people, you know, would call him a bully. I'd just say, fight back, guys. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> if he's ribbing you, fight back. I mean, we're, we're jousting here. We're not getting into a fist fight. We're jousting back and forth. So if he zings you with something, zing him back. And Bradshaw would have loved that. All right, let's get to the next one. The British Bulldog. Tremendous performer. Incredible physique. Davey never worked like a uh, muscle guy to me. He didn't. He seemed more athletic than muscle bound. And when you were as big as he was, that was quite a chore, a chore to pull off. Really was good. Him and his partner were great team. Um, you know, Davey was a guy that that uh, was involved in some huge matches that met all expectations. Uh, I'm a big fan of his son and, uh, very glad that he has been put into the hall of fame because, you know, what it means to his family and, uh, I'm happy for them. Last, but certainly not least Jushin Thunder Liger. Awesome. Awesome. What a performer. Can you imagine working just alone, working in that headgear and that gear every single night in these hot arenas? You know, most people would laugh at that and go, well, what's the big deal? Well, when you got a full body suit all the way down to your hands and all the way down to your ankles and it's thick and made out of that material, brother, you sweat. And when you sweat, you get dehydrated. And uh, it's hard to perform when you're cramping up and stuff like that. And uh, those full body suits and those head gears, which was cumbersome, and you had to allow for those horns on spots and everything – you know, uh, there was a lot to consider that most people take for granted. You couldn't just grab a headlock on that guy. You know, uh, the horns may be in the way, or the, or if you do grab one and, and press the horns down, now you had a comedy act. There's stuff that most people never would think about and probably haven't thought about until we just talked about it. But it's a lot of things go into uh, wearing a costume like that, and the guy could just perform he was a lucha before luchas were popular he did all that stuff you know the high flying stuff and took it to another level he was one of the first guys i ever saw do that and uh he's phenomenal always a gentleman in the locker room always a good businessman very happy for Jush and thunder liger shit damn it those are the sounds i used to make whenever i would cut my balls shaving but I don't anymore. Thanks to manscaped manscaped. Thank you so much for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. And listen, we've all had a little manscaping accident once before. You know what I'm talking about? You got a little too close for comfort. Ding. No, now nicks and cuts. They're a thing of the past. Thanks to the brand new lawnmower 3.0 from manscaped. It's their third generation trimmer. It still features the same great skin safe technology to keep those bad boys nice and smooth. And the engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. We're talking about, of course, the lawnmower 3.0. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. It's even got an LED light, which you really need. And let's not forget about the fast charging stand. It's a rapid charging dock powered by USB. And, uh, when a lady comes through your house, she's going to know you are ready for business. A lot of folks are telling us they're having great luck with this new lawnmower 3.0. You got to try it for yourself, but please don't send us before and after photos. That's a real thing. We're trying to avoid get your own. This is a real story. We, uh, we got Arn Anderson, one of these and his son wanted one, right? Uh, they can't share one. You need your own and get your own with free shipping and 20% off. When you use our promo code ARN, manscaped.com, of course, is where you'll pick it up. One more time, you'll get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code ARN. Your partner, your dick, and your balls will thank you. But get your own at manscaped.com. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Tully Blanchard. Uh Steve wants to know, Arn, could you talk about Tully Blanchard's slingshot suplex? How strong was he to put that move on Dusty Rhodes? Stronger than you would think, 
Tully was a good athlete. Tully was a quarterback in uh, in college, and uh, he was a good performer. And he, you know, he hit. He wasn't going to be a guy that had a great body, but you know, I've seen Tully bang out three or four reps for three fifteen on the bench for a guy his size. That's that's not too shabby. Um, he was certainly strong enough to pick guys up, and uh, he was such an accomplished worker uh, that. You know, when he would do something, a feat of strength like that, it was it was like, good God. It was more impressive than having a big body guy do it because you expected them to do it. Tully would only pull one of those off every now and then, and uh, it meant something. It was special. Tully was a tremendous performer, and most people that were in the ring with him, you know, will acknowledge that. Talk to me about Marty Jannetty. Ben wants to know, I saw a match recently from Saturday night's main event with you and Tully against the Rockers. We all know how much respect you have for Shawn Michaels, but what's your opinion of Marty Jannetty as a performer? Well, no, you know what? If I've, if through the years, if when talking about the Rockers, I didn't give Marty enough credit, then I apologize because as a team, they shared the responsibility of every match they were in, and those guys were great together, both of them. They were a great team. I would, If I was talking about rockers, I wouldn't separate them out and say Sean was this and Marty was that because they just complimented each other, and they complimented Tully and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were a great team, and I think Marty Gennetti had his own style. Nothing they did was similar. They had their own spots, and – and uh, their own offense and the, the things they did well defensively, you know, they were a great team. So nothing but respect for the ability of Sean Michaels and Marty Jannetty. I, I put them as a team on equal footing. Let's talk a little bit about um, three guys here. This is pros to us from Jesse, and he writes, Brian Pillman, Tom Zink, and Brad Armstrong. I guess the idea is, this is sort of the, uh, the wrestler version of another game. He's calling it put over job out, send packing. Do you have a favorite of the three, Brian Pillman, Tom Zink and, and Brad Armstrong. And do you have a least favorite of the three? As far as an in-ring performer, just to your taste as wrestling, not them as humans or them as professionals, just your flavor of wrestling. Well, I've often said Brad Armstrong's in the top five from a performer standpoint, I don't know if he's number three or four or five. He's fantastic. And he was so smooth and so good. He almost, you know, the audience really didn't know what they were seeing. He was so perfect that he just almost became invisible. And uh, Brad was one of those guys that, you know, he's like Bobby Eaton. You didn't really appreciate how good he was until you got in the ring with him. And uh, he was as good as anybody's ever been. Brian Pillman, before he became the loose cannon, very accomplished. Great baby face to work with. Little girls loved him. Looked like a million bucks. You know, you and I sat on your couch and watched the Liger-Brian Pillman match. Yep. How 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 excellent it was and standalone it was and how you saw Brian at a different level. You know, you, you got to always remember, you always have to look at a guy's ability with who has he worked with. You know, if you're out there with someone that's green or just has bad chemistry with you or doesn't care, has no interest or whatever, you both look bad, you know. Brian Pillman is one of those guys that could go out there and figure out a way to make himself shine with no matter who the opponent was. And, uh, you know, he just was very good. And when he turned into that, that character, that crazy man, that loose cannon, it was one of the most exciting times, confusing times in the business. You didn't know what was what and when was he working and when was he shooting and what the deal was and, I mean, he just brought a new character to the industry. And uh, if you go back and look at it, it was way above his time. I think Tom Zink, great-looking babyface, handsome guy, good physique, all those things. I just don't think Tom was as driven at being very good as Brad or Pillman. 
I mean, they wanted to be the best they could be or the best in the business or whatever the, the thought process was. I think Tom was just a guy that was having a good time and enjoying his TV time, you know, and uh, the ladies that that afforded him, like I said, he looked like a movie star. And, uh, but I think as far as becoming the greatest worker or the hottest guy or being the number one guy in the company, those thoughts never entered Tom Zink's mind. I'm just guessing. A couple of interesting questions here. This one comes to us from Michael McGuire. He says, who are some of the heels that most people wouldn't rec- wouldn't realize were the most kind human beings in real life. So we've often talked about how in real life. Some of the good guys are bad guys and some of the bad guys are good guys. Who do you think was, uh, maybe one of the nicest in real life heels there ever was? Well, gosh, I, you know, I gotta, (laughs) this name always comes up, but you know, Haku barbarian, you know, those guys were two assassins, two killers. But if you were friends with the Island boys, they would lay down in the road and let a car run over them to keep you from getting hurt. They were just good guys, good people, nice people. Uh, Bobby Eaton, that name keeps coming up, you know, really nice person. Uh, one of the best people on earth, you know, and, but uh, there was a time when Cornette and him and Dennis had the most heat of anybody in the business. Yeah. You know, but Bobby was you know, just a, just a sweetheart. Um, Barry Darso demolition, very nice man, good friend of mine. Uh, but you know, there's, there's a lot of good guys and you can look at, uh, you know, if I had a roster in front of me, I could go this guy, this guy, this guy. But when you're a heel and you're a good one and you're accomplished and you have heat and you get, negative reactions from the audience and you're able to go out and turn a baby face into a, a focal point that the audience wants him to just cream you. When you're that kind of heel, you get all your nastiness out at work. Nine times out of 10, when you walk out the door, you know, you've got all that frustration out of you. Anything that may come up day to day is gone. And you can just be who you are. And, you know, a lot of times the, the bad guys are the good guys and the good guys who believe their press a little too much and really think they're doing all that's going on in that ring themselves. They become the bad guys. Dan Cash wants to know who was a better partner, Ole or Tully? Uh, they were both great partners, and I put them in different categories. Ole gave me credibility by allowing me to be an Anderson. Uh, Ole was a very solid, intense, straight from A to B performer. Um, what you saw is what you got. The audience believed in Ole. Tully, from a performance standpoint, knowing what was called for for that match and that night and where the angle was and where you were trying to get to, nobody was better. Uh, I enjoyed both. Um, I couldn't put one above the other except to say I feel like Tully and I shared a time in the business where we were as good as any team in the business, and that kind of puts it in a different category. Slizzard wants to know when are you going to get out and spine buster this fucking coronavirus so we can get on with our lives? Brother, if I thought I could do that, I would waste my very last one, not say waste, but I would burn my last spine buster because this stuff is really dangerous. It's, it's really kicking the world in the nuts and, uh, I'm for doing everything and anything to get this thing under control. Dylan Jacobs wants to know, what are you watching now that you're stuck at home? Oh gosh. You know, I love discover channel. Um, love cops in any form, whether it's live PD or whatever it may be. Um, you know, they're throwing a lot of specials like, uh, you know, old, old things that run in reruns and stuff like that. The D Wade, the D Wade story was, was good viewing. I watched it the other day about his entire career. That was, that was pretty cool. Uh, there's still some good programming on TV because that's basically that's all there is to do anymore. Yeah. There's not a lot right now. 
Uh, Pop Vinyls wants to know which relationship caused more conversation slash disbelief slash anger with the boys, Billy Kidman and Tori Wilson or Stacy Keebler and David Flair. I don't know that I even understand that question. Well, there's been a lot of guys uh, that I've podcasted with over the years say that people absolutely hated Billy Kidman just because he was with Tori Wilson. Like how in the world does this knucklehead land Tori Wilson? And I'm sure people thought the same thing about David Flair and Stacey Keebler once upon a time. Any of those draw big disbelief that you remember from the locker room? Well, I mean, it's, you know, a guy is going to look at both of those women and look at both of those guys. And if you truly are a normal thinking man, you're going to go to yourself. My God, what's she thinking? But that would be with virtually 90% of the guys they were going to be with. Um, most guys would go, God, almighty, can't, you know, can they not beat that? And there's a, there's another thought process, you know, in the industry, um, guys like to sit around and book like the territory or the company or the angles. And here's what I would do. And I'm a Monday morning quarterback and all that, but they look at certain females and think, you know, the guys think that their mate needs to meet their expectations, which is pretty pompous, but it actually exists. And uh, to a degree, I believe that exists in the office. They look at one of the ladies that they're featuring on television, and if her, you know, uh, boyfriend, husband, person they're dating doesn't meet their expectations, then, you know, they have a, a feeling about that too. I mean, what you do in your personal life is your own personal deal. And, uh, it should always be that way. It shouldn't filter in to anything to do with business. And, uh, um, I'm sure there were a lot of conversations about those two pairings. Headlock Homer wants to know, do you wish you and Tully would have had a more of an extended program with the heart foundation during your WWF run? Well, sure. Uh, we only got to work with those guys once. And they were a very good team. They were over at the time. Uh, it was on a big platform. Um, SummerSlam. I would love to have had, a, you know, another six weeks with those guys. Uh, very, very good team that we could have learned a lot working with those guys. And uh, was a chance missed. Uh, Tony Flowers wants to know, if you could go back and relive one year of your wrestling career, what year would you choose and why? Probably 86. I would think because the horsemen were together, we were on fire. It was a new concept, but it was working and gelling and it was on the upswing. It was just continued to get hotter and hotter and our opponents continued to get more over and hotter and hotter. And it was where we experienced a lot of success as a company, which is the most important thing. You want your company to be strong so that everyone's job is secure. And I think 86 was a big year for Jim Crockett promotions and guys that had never, including me, been able to buy homes to buy new cars, which I had never been able to do in my life, you know, and and furnish those homes uh, and just have things that, you know, a lot of us had never had before. That was a, a lot of year. That was a year that a lot of us were able to do those things. So I think it was successful. The fans were fantastic and they were red hot. It was just everything came into place. Jimmy Steven wants to know, ever sneeze in front of Vince? No, but I saw it happen, and, you know, I thought it was a rib at first, you know, because of the look the person got. Uh, it was like, okay, so I'm not in on the joke. They're setting me up. Because if you could have saw fire or a dagger come out of somebody's eyes, it would have came out of Vince's eyes. And uh, as I saw things, you know, person coughing get you know hung up coughing or sneezing or 
or or maybe they just came in the door and just looked bad. They were sweating, they were pale or whatever. And the looks that they got, you know, I had a whole different mentality thought process on that. I mean, he would look at these people like he wanted them dead. You know, it's like, good God, get them out of here and throw them in a, a trash bin and put it on, you know, put it on fire. You know, it should have been looked at that these people who can, that are sick as they can be, have drugged themselves in there to a meeting. And uh, so that you never miss a shot. That's the rule in our business. You know, you always make the show no matter what. Uh, you would think he would be thankful that these people are in there and, and the fact that they're not making themselves cough. They're not doing it voluntarily. They're not sneezing voluntarily. Matter of fact, sneezing hurts. A big, deep one really hurts. And uh, it's not something you would be doing if you could control it. And other than look at these people as being dedicated and, and doing the right thing and doing everything they can to be there, sick or not, you, you're looked at it, you know, in a different way, negatively. Never got that, but it's, you know, as part of the psyche is the more you start to put the pieces together, you start to figure out what a guy's mentality is, and uh, I started to understand it. Mike writes in, if you were going to have one tag match against the Revival, who would you want your partner to be? Tully Blanchard, Larry Zabisco, Bobby Eaton, or Ole Anderson? Um, probably Tully and I, it would be kind of cool to look at yourself in the mirror as you're having a match (laughs) because I know these guys have patterned a lot of their stuff after Tully and I, and not that each piece of the physicality is exactly the same, but the thought process is the same. And that's what got Tully and I over to begin with was the evil intent of what we did, not necessarily the physical part of it 100%, but just the setting a guy up and sucking a guy in and misdirection and something behind the guy's back that he never saw coming. That's the thing that these guys have really studied and watched and perfected. And, you know, they're more athletic the Tully and I will ever be or ever were, even at our peak. These guys can just do a lot more stuff, and uh, you put all that thought process in there with it. Got a pretty viable uh, team, and uh, the best of those guys has yet to be seen. Let me put it that way. We do have a question from Scott Dawson. Uh, Gabriel Hurl tweeted, Dash Wilder, and he said, your house show tag match in Toronto last year versus Rude and Gable was the greatest tag match I've ever seen live. Thank you. And uh, Dash said, some of the best matches I've ever seen or been a part of happen on live events. Those shows are the best. And Scott Dawson says, hey, Conrad, ask Aaron about these matches. Us four were trying so hard to impress him. If you were fortunate enough to see this, I think most folks would think that that was the best tag team rivalry going at the time. Rude and Gable on one side and the revival on the other. You were there agenting a lot of those matches or at least on the cards at the live events when, uh, when these matches were happening, were they successful? Did those four impress you? You're damn right. And I'm going to give you a piece of history and it's, it's ironic here. Um, that house show loop. I gave those guys whatever time they wanted, take whatever you want. And I reported back. I started reporting back from the first time I saw that tag match until I got to television. It was the best tag match I had seen in probably 15 years. Wow. And it was the best match on the card. And it is something that our audience deserves to have on television. And when we got to Grand Rapids for television, I believe it was Grand Rapids, at the meeting, I told Vince this. I spoke up, and I said, there's a match you got to see. 
boss, but you got to give it enough time. You have to give this thing 25, 28 minutes so that it can play out. You can't just give it a 10-minute segment or something. And he gave them some extra time. And those guys went out, and I'm a big fan of Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. They made a great team. Chad Gable is, you know, as we know, an Olympian, but he's a great worker as well. Bobby Roode looks like a million dollars, great head on his shoulders for the business, looks like a million dollars. And these guys went out, and they tore the joint down. Now, at the meeting, I told Vince that, and he looks around the room. He goes, well, why, you know, okay, well, we'll make that happen. Why hasn't anyone else brought that to my attention, you know? And he looks around the room at everybody, you know, of course, silence. But the fact is, I'm sure most people are scared to open their mouth when you work there. Because if you say something in the wrong day or the wind's blowing the wrong way, it could cost you your job. Um, and what's ironic, it wasn't, you know, after they had that match and he saw it and he enjoyed it. And apparently he told the talent how much he enjoyed it and they finally got their due. It wasn't much longer that I was no longer there. So I'm not saying that one has to do with the other. I'm just saying the irony of the way things happen in this business. So that match was phenomenal and as good as anything, if you start pulling tag matches up from that year, last year, you won't find anything finer than that. Well, we hope that you won't find anything finer than what we're doing here next week. We got extreme rules, 2010, tell a friend, hit the subscribe button. We're getting our way back machine. We'll see you next week when we discuss John Cena and Batista in a last man standing match and so much more right here on Arn every Tuesday on Westwood one. I've been telling you for a long time that save with Conrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Jeremy, which one of the podcasts is your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one is probably, uh, what happened going with Tony. Uh, what made you go to Save with Conrad um, in the first place? What was your goal? Uh, save a little bit of money, condense some of my debt. Instead of paying three different monthly payments on some things, now I'm only doing one monthly payment, and it's actually less. Out of this whole process, do you remember how much money you were able to save? I'm probably paying about $200, $250 less a month. Being able to have that 250 in your pocket, or 200 in your pocket at the end of the month, is is a huge deal big help big help would you recommend us to anybody like a friend or a family member uh definitely so what are you waiting for find out how much money you can save right now for free you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket even credit scores in the 500s can be approved and if we can't save you money we won't waste your time but because we're licensed in more than 40 states we can help more families than ever before find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.